Um, can you bring up the first slide of that song? Oh, the blood, crimson love, price of life's demand, shameful sin placed on him, the hope of every man. I'm going to open up in prayer and we'll get into the message. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for another day. I thank you, Father, for another opportunity to pick up my cross. I thank you, Father, for an opportunity to bring the word to someone who either knows it but needs to know it deeper, but Father, or a person who doesn't know it and is looking for hope. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity every day to share the gospel with those around us by our actions and our deeds. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is more powerful than anything in this world. And that in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, you can change a man, a woman, a child. It doesn't matter, Father, when your hands get a hold of them, Lord. They are changed forever. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this opportunity. In Jesus' mighty name. You know, I'm uh, the message tonight. Now, this thing went through, and you can bring up the title slide. It went through quite a few different transactions of of names. I'm sure everybody who names a a message. But I really felt that in the last few weeks here, God has put this message on my heart. And and in doing so, I think it's a message that, that really needs to be grabbed a hold of. Now, in this audience tonight, we're going to have a lot of different people. We're going to have people online here in the sanctuary who are well-versed in the Word, who are out there day in and day out. And then there are going to be people who are peeking in the door and looking for what's on the other side of that door. I'm speaking to all of us tonight. I was out walking this morning. And uh, oh, I try to walk every morning. Uh, been part of a routine of mine. It's where I pray. It's where I, I, I truly allow myself to get into my closet with God. And, and as I was walking around, he gave me a word I'm going to speak in a minute. But I want to tell you about something that was miraculous. I haven't even shared this with my wife yet. Um, and, and as I was walking around, uh, first of all, they built, I, I think I mentioned this the last time I talked, they built my wife and I, a very beautiful park that we've been praying for for a couple of years right next to our house. (laughs) It's like, wow, there's a park. And so I was out there, and in the middle of the park is a retention pond, and it was pretty full from some of the rain we've had recently. And during the cold weather, uh, uh, somebody uh, recently uh, called it Snowmageddon. Instead of Armageddon, it was Snowmageddon. I said, I'm going to use that. And, and, and so during that weather, uh, in that watery area there, we had some nutria. Uh, nutria, for those who don't know, they look like beavers without the tail. And, and they're of that type of uh, family. They're rodents, but otherwise. There's nutria that were living in there, and they kind of disappeared after the storm. And I was praying to God, and I said, God, I hope, because I hope, there was a family of them, and I like, I like nature. I love God's creation right there in front of me. And, and so... The other day, a few days ago, the nutria showed back up. The whole family, all of them came back. And this day, something unique happened. Because normally, when I'm walking around, they run away. But today, they were staying put. They saw me. I know they saw me. And so, as I was walking along, and I was kind of ministering through my heart, talking about this message, and I, I... looked down at one of them and he was standing on a rock and he was looking up and he was looking at me. Now I'm up there preaching the word to to creation and and he's looking at me and I'm going, Yahshua. And I watched this nutria bow, sit back up and go back to eating. That's part of this message here where all creation is waiting for us. I'll get into that in a little bit. 
But while I was on this walk, God gave me a, a, a message inside of the message. And I'm going to read this to you. On the mantle of my life sits a picture that defines me, living in my pain and my shame and chasing after my suffering. Death, hell, and the grave, it calls my name. Shackles that bind me, walls, they confine me. The labels of my life define me. Lies told by an enemy full of sound and fury. Through all the noise that pummels me, piercing through the darkness that encases me, I heard a voice coming from the light. It spoke above the lies, the pain, the shame. I have a, for you a covering like no other, a garment of salvation, a robe of righteousness. This is one event, my son, that you don't want to miss. As I approached the light, the Word of God, I saw that His robe was red with the crimson blood, but yet He carried a white robe for me. You see, son, whatever you're going through today, I already carried it along the way. I took your pain, I took your shame, I wear the robe dipped in blood so that you don't have to. All I ask in return for what I've taken for you is to open the door and step on through. I will come and I will dine with you as one of my own. The message title, The Crimson Robe of Righteousness and Boldly Coming to the Throne of Grace is the quintessential message of Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for us. There's a starting line which every single one of us comes to in our life. There's a race that we all run. The Bible says to run the race until the end. A race that will eternally define us. Eternally define us. And the race is won or lost in the heart and mind of those who say they believe. And also many along the way come to the line. They step up to the line and they, they prepare for the race. And that's where they stop. They never, they never step into the greatest love that was presented to us since the foundation of time, the love of God and the sacrifice of His Son on the cross. The passion of Jesus Christ and what He suffered on the cross and what He has done for us was given to us because of nothing that we did. Absolutely nothing that we did except to believe. Except to accept what Jesus did. In Isaiah 61, 10 and 11, the robes of righteousness. The Bible says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its buds, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. And then in the book of Revelation... I found an amazing passage. 19, 11 through 13, where 11 starts with, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on it that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. We know that, that the Bible in John says the Word was with God, the Word was God, and it was in the beginning. In the beginning, the Word. Jesus was there from the foundation of the world to now, this time and this day. He was the first to come the way of anyone. He was a new creation on the earth and there were many to follow after Him. 
I want you to think about the blood that was, that was shed for Jesus, that, that Jesus shed on the cross and on the way to the cross. We know that, and I don't want to go too much into this because I want to be mindful of the time, but if you think about it, whereas we approach Easter right now, you start thinking about where did Jesus shed blood? And the first glimpse of it, um, I've got Luke 22, 42 through 44. 42 saying, Father, it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. The first glimpse that, that blood was actually shed. Now, all of these events were spoken of in the Old Testament. In John 19. Now, leading up to this moment, John 19, uh, 1 through 4, you, you have to uh, go back into the Word and study the Easter story. I, I recommend this time of year, go back in and look at all the stages that Jesus went through. But before Pilate scourged Jesus, he judged him. He sent him over to Herod. Herod found no fault in him, thought him to be a fool, and sent him back to Pilate to deal with him. And so here it goes on to say that Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Now, the scourging of man in this event was with the cat of nine tails. Now, these were, these were claw-like instruments of torture. And, and it would, on the end of a whip, it would go in, and when it would grab, it would grab and pull hunks of the flesh off the body. Now, as I'm going through these here, I want you to understand that this was our punishment. This was, this was what we were called to walk in. So he said... Um, and the soldiers then, so, so now we've got the scourging of, of Jesus. He was, he was whipped with the cavanines. He was also twisted a crown of thorns, put on his head, and, and what they did was they pushed it in so that the blood started dripping from his head. And again, I'm doing this to put in the thought process of, of where this all was at. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went on again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know. I found no fault in him. He was the perfect lamb. We know next that, that from that moment, he was given his own cross to carry. And it was such a burden on him that they had to enable help to help him get at the last of the way. And then at the end of the road, what did they do? They outstretched his arms, his feet, put his feet together, put a nail through each, both feet, and then put nails through his hands. And they crucified him. Blood flowed from the, the nail hands, the nail-scarred hands. And, and, and so now that we're thinking about that, but, but to end it all, they were going to break his feet at the end of it, but because the Bible said that no bone would be broken, they were, they were encouraged to take a, a, a spear and pierce his side. And in that moment, blood and water flowed from the body, and he was dead. He was already dead. We also know at this moment, the veil that was covering the, the, the um, mercy seat was torn in half, and the door was now open. I want you to keep that in mind. John 19, 34, 37, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who had seen has testified, and the testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may now believe. Jesus went to the cross. The Son of God, the Son of the Creator, was allotted this time to come to the earth, 
to bring the word and bring the completion of all that was spoken of from the beginning of time. If you think about it, he had come already in the word. The word said before the foundation of the world. The world says before time had begun. So, so in God's time, let's talk about time for just a minute, God's time is all. We're present in this time. We're, we're here now at this time, but God's time, God's time is throughout all. He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere at all times. And so he's seen this whole earth And he knew that inside of all of this, we needed help and there was no one here to do it. Isaiah 63 and 5. I'm going to skip just a little bit and then come back. Isaiah 63 and 5 says, I looked and there was no one to help. I love this scripture. I, I use it a lot in my teaching. I left and there was no one to help me and I wondered and there was no one to uphold Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me, and my own fury, it sustained me. The blood of Jesus sustained the wrath of God towards us. In a nutshell, the blood of Jesus sustained God's wrath towards us. So when we hear about the cat of nine tails, when we hear about all of that, this is the punishment for us that was meant for us. And because it was meant for us, Jesus, the perfect lamb, went ahead and took that punishment for us. I want you to think about this. Now, let's take a walk back to Genesis. And in Genesis, we know the story of Adam and Eve, and we know that God has always presented himself as our covering. So back in Genesis, we know that Eve was deceived by the serpent, ate of the fruit, and then brought it to her husband. And I'm not going to get into the, the, the argument of it was the woman's fault, it was the man's fault. I do want to make a very important point. Adam had dominion over all the earth. And in the moment, Adam made a choice. Because he had dominion, he made a choice to sin. He made a choice to be disobedient to God when he had dominion over all the earth, and in doing so, it plunged the whole earth into captivity. The earth at that moment became captive to sin, death, hell, the grave. All of that was now under captivity. And so when we're, when we're looking at, at the message of Jesus on the cross and the blood, why did he have to go to the cross? Because the captivity of not just us, but all of creation depended on him being worthy to go to the cross. But I caught something in Genesis three seventeen and 21 that's always, always been... Part of some, I've been studying this for a long time. And, and Genesis 3, 17, 21 says, Then to Adam, he said, Because you have heeded the word of your wife and have eaten from the tree. And notice here, the correction was going to Adam, the one who had dominion over all the earth, which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life both thorns and thistles that shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife. Now catch this part. The Lord God made tunics of skin, and clothed them. Now, 
just an arbitrary little line inside of the book of Genesis. Made tunics of skin. God sacrificed an animal, shed blood, took the tunics off of that, and covered Adam and Eve that day. The very first people were covered by blood that very first day. And so we get an image that comes out when you start reading through the Bible that those that believed God along the way were covered by God. They were covered by God. They were taken care of. And we we hear about Joseph and his coat of many colors. And he was cast into the well and he was went through a whole bunch of stuff and ended up wearing robes and running a kingdom. We see the depiction of Moses always in the, in the Hebrew garb that he, he had. I'm, I, I don't want to get into whether that's the truth or not. But Moses was covered by God, even no matter what he had done. Noah believed God. He was a righteous man. God looked upon his heart and gave him covering in the ark. We see God through history giving a covering to these people. And and even Abraham, he said, your seed, later on, you'll be a father of many nations. Now there was promises in the natural and there was promises in the spiritual. And we know later on that Paul tells us that his seed was Jesus Christ. Through, through all that, that, that Abraham was going to, but I, I want you to now think about it, there was a period of time in which there was no cross, there was no salvation given at that moment, but yet these people still believed. Now, they didn't have a whole Bible. They only had bits and pieces of the Word, which have been passed down to us so that we can learn about the story along the way. But the covering of God encompassed the whole Bible. And when Jesus went to the cross, He didn't just do it for those who came after Him, but the ones who went before who believed. Just keep that in mind as we're going through this. And so, as we look at this, they were covered by the Lamb. So we come in, and and I've got the parable of the wedding supper. And I I put on here the warning of the wedding supper. So here God has said to you, I have sent my son for you. I have bore my own right arm in my wrath. I I have sacrificed my son because there was nobody who was righteous enough to redeem mankind from the curse. Nobody. Trying to be nice to Ennis and try not to walk too much. And, and so nobody, 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 Pastor Roy wasn't good enough, Pastor Goodluck wasn't good enough, Pastor Amy wasn't good enough, I could keep going listing every pastor on the face of the earth, we could roll out everybody, nope, 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 not good enough. So he bore his right arm, satisfied his wrath. We have a Savior who went to the cross for us and those who came before Him. The wedding supper says this, starting at Matthew 8. Now, before this happened, just before this story, the the king was going to have a feast because his son was getting married. And so the king went out and he invited all of these people that were expected to be on the list. Bill was on the list. Larry was on the list. And so the servants came out and they gave you an invitation. And, and y'all laughed and said, no, oh, we ain't going to go to that thing. And, and Larry, he goes off and kills the servants. Not really, but you know, we're using this for example purposes. He kills the servants. And so now the king is furious. He sends his armies and he wipes them all out. And then he says to his servants that are left, he goes, go out into the streets. 
So that's where we're going to pick this up. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, and I want you to pay attention to this, these wedding guests were invited to a king's wedding with the expectation to put on the garments that were required to go before the king. To be worthy to be in front of the king. But here it says, when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now in the beginning I talked about a starting line. So if you think about it, I draw a line here and, and I prepare. I hear the Lord calling my name. I hear God saying to me, Come unto me, all who are weary, all who are tired. And I stand at this starting line and I prepare and I prepare and I prepare. But I don't step over the line. And, and I start to listen to the noise of my past. I start to listen to those around me who are trying to tell me who I used to be start putting on my labels. I start putting on the things that I've done. I let that shame and that pain to overwhelm me again. But then i got to get into the Word and, and, and hear the wrath of God. We already talked about it being satisfied by Jesus Christ. So in 1 Peter 1, 17-21, And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's works, conduct, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Now, some people will misinterpret that fear. There is the fear of things in front of you, the fear of things that are happening to you, but then there is a righteous fear of the majesty and power of God in your life. A righteous fear where we trust the love of the Father so much that we fear His Word so much that we get into His Word and we learn His Word and we follow His Word. If God's Word says to do A, B, and C, we should be doing A, B, and C. And when we do that, the promises of God come with that. But sometimes, sometimes we stay in the wrong fear. We'll get into that in a little bit. 18, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world that was manifested, but was manifested in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Your faith and hope are in God. But when we stand on the other side of that line, we start looking back at our places of safety, our safety nets, our pain, our titles that have been given to us, broken, sick, diseased. I mean, we, let's be real. We see some people who wear disease as a mantle. 
a mantle of their fame. I have this, I have that, I have the other thing. I want you to know something. I don't accept any of those things. I don't accept a single one of those in my life. I got a little bit of a tweak in my leg today. I'm going to go for a walk tomorrow and walk it off in the name of Jesus. It doesn't have a place in me. So here we are, standing on this other line, cross on this side of the line. And there's a promise that we hear. It's in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 is one of my favorite chapters. You'll hear me say this a lot. This was my favorite scripture. This was my favorite chapter. Hebrews 4 is one of my favorite chapters. Hebrews 4, 1 through 3, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us well as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in whom they who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. And he has said, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were... Wait a minute, catch this. The works were finished since the foundation of the world. The works were finished since the foundation of the world. The works, say works. The works were finished since the foundation of the world. When God rested on the seventh day, all the works of the kingdom, all the works that we're about to go through, all the works that have been, have been done and completed, God rested. In His timeline, it was all of creation, not just those first days. And I say that with power and authority today. And I say this to, to Pastor Angela and Pastor Goodluck. We know that the work that is about to undergo in this church of reaching the nations, of reaching around the globe, has already been completed and all we got to do is walk in it. All we have to do is step into it and know that God has already done this work and we are already seeing evidence of the work manifesting in front of us. God accelerating a timeline. The preparation. But I want you to know, Satan has been hard at work, and especially on me. Two days ago, I was trying to finish this message, and I told my wife I was going to tell you this story. And for this past week, I have been struggling with headaches and, and, and tired and extreme tiredness. And I finally uttered out of my mouth two days ago, I said, I believe that I am under a spiritual attack. And I want y'all to know that I pray that you have a partner like my wife is my partner. Because the minute, the very second I said that, I watched her jump up from her chair, run over to me, put her hands on my head, and she prayed whatever was going on off. And by the next morning, I had the message finished. Power and authority over whatever's coming at us. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So we can rest assured that whatever is being planned right now by our pastor and the teams here, God has already ordained it. He has already put His stamp on it and it's already finished in the heavenlies. And all we got to do is walk in it. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 2, 5 and 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, everybody knows this, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Salvation, a gift of God. The garment of salvation, a gift of God. The robe of righteousness, a gift of God. goes on to say, For by grace, uh, uh, not of works, least anyone should boast, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
We are called to wear the robes of righteousness. But our robes are white because God washed them in the blood of Jesus Christ. But I want to get into a section in here, and we're good on time, clinging to the captivity or the old man. Satan wishes to stop us in our, in our tracks. His plan is very simple. Never to get off the starting block. Lead us right back into the, our preset safety nets and eventually back to our sin and shame. We walk back to our shame and identify with the pain of the past. Waiting at the line, we never put on the garments of salvation and Christ's robe of righteousness. I want to tell you the story of our house guest. Since the uh, snowmageddon, we have had a four-legged house guest at our house by the name of Bella. Bella is a very... um, energetic dog and at first she was all over the place and bouncing all over things were happening and then one time my my wife thought well maybe we ought to bring her cage back so we went to the house we got a cage we got a new bed put it in there and then i watched a phenomena happen now now i got to give you a little history of bella bella was an abused dog at one time So because of that, there's a a byproduct of the abuse. If you try to put a collar on her neck, she'll try to bite you. If you try to put a harness on her, she'll try and bite you. If you try to take one of her toys away from her, she'll try and bite you. If you have a bone, she'll take it from you, but that's okay. And, And so here's Bella. The cage goes up, and then I watched Bella go in, and lay on that bed in behind the bars. Now, the first few nights I watched her, she would sleep in there. She felt safe in captivity. She felt safe in her safety net, the walls we build around ourselves. And and I was thinking, you know what, God, this is a great depiction of the story of our life. We have those places in our life that we don't need to be walking in, but yet it has become our safety net. It's become our cage in which we live. We breathe. We have our being inside of it. We start looking back to the old things, and those things, they, they, they seem to cover, comfort us. We put on those labels. I have this disease. I have this. I've actually heard people bragging about, well, I've got this and I've got this. It's like, I don't want any of those things. Do you ever try to watch TV nowadays? You have this disease and this disease. You might want to talk to your doctor about this disease and this disease and this disease. And by the way, we have a whole slew of medicine that you can take to make you feel better. I want to declare something tonight. I want to share this. This is a testimony, Bill. This is a powerful testimony that I have been on heart medication for a probably the last 15 years. But I have a new heart problem. My wife will attest to this. I can't take the medication anymore. It drops my blood pressure too low. You see, God has given me a new heart. He said to me a long time ago, I'm going to give you a new heart. He did actually give me a new heart. And now I can't. If I take the blood pressure pills the other day, I was almost passed out. I can't take these things. I have to go to my doctor and explain, these ain't working anymore. I've got to give these things up. That's a testimony of God's love in my life. So here's Bella. She's just loving that captivity. But because of the peace in our house, I caught Bella the other night. She's sleeping on the couch. She's come out of her cage. And her and the cat have ganged up on my wife. Bella will distract my wife so that Piper can try and run out the door. And it worked perfectly, the fiasco today. 
when she came home after work. Satan's purpose in your life. I'm going to go through these pretty quick here. To cause you to doubt God. When the devil tempts you to doubt God, don't let your circumstances determine your God. Let your God determine your circumstances. If you think about it, here's Thomas sitting there telling these other guys, I don't care if you've seen Jesus. I haven't seen Jesus yet. I haven't seen him. And as he's sitting there arguing with everybody, Jesus shows up behind him and says, Hey, Thomas, reach your finger in here and look at my hand. Reach your hand in here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Put your trust and your life into God. Don't put it into the things. Look, the world will give you a lot of things to trust in. In fact, there's so many, there's information overload out there. We all know that. You can just, how many different TV stations and things you can sign up for. I mean, right now I'm going through trying to figure out, I, I had some charges on my thing. I, said, I don't even remember what this name is and what it's referred to is I'm going back. There was one thing for the church. There was one thing for that. But they'd put me on some sort of or subscription. It's like, I don't know where these things came from. Let God determine your circumstances. The second thing is, Satan's purpose also is to cause you to live in fear. Now God says, a righteous fear towards me. In the Word. Fear is not the absence of faith. Faith, it's the misplacement of it. The devil doesn't want to rob us of our faith. He wants our faith to be in anything but God. Life in Christ is life not in fear. Crossing over the line, stepping through, going into Christ. We'll get into all that in a minute. Third thing, to cause you to feel insecure. Oh, by the way, scripture there, Psalms 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all, say all. He delivered me from all my fears, not just a couple of them. Yes, if you think you're afraid of spiders, you're not. You have power over the spiders. If you don't like snakes, that's all right. You have power over the snakes. You don't have to fear them. Name of Jesus. Causes you to feel insecure. Don't let the devil tell you that you're unloved or not good enough. You are of God's handiwork, and in Christ we are not only good enough, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Romans 8, 37 and 39, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, powers, nor pre things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor of any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that. You're standing at this line. But if you step over the line, nothing can separate you from God. You step into belief. You step into hope. You step into knowledge. You step into the Word. The Word becomes alive to you. You read the Word and you say, that's for me. You read the Word, you say, that's for me. You read the Word, you say, that's for me. The promises in the Bible are for you. Just by stepping over that line and believing that Jesus died on the cross for you. He wants you to avoid the church. He wants to separate you from those who can encourage you. He wants to separate you from those who can uplift you and those you can help uplift as well. He wants to get you separated and cornered so that you're thinking you have no community. I want to I share something I shared with Pastor not too long ago. I said, I was going through this and I heard that Satan whisper to me. He said, it, you need to leave the church. And it was going through a whole bunch of different reasons on to leave this church. And I remember what our pastor had taught. Our pastor said, when Satan says to you, go this way, you say thank you. So I said, Mr. Satan, I did this out loud, by the way. I said, Mr. Satan, I, I appreciate that you have taken the time out of your busy day. 
I said this to him. I said, I appreciate that you have given me the wisdom that you think I need to leave the church. This has solidified my stance with God. That I know that what you're telling me is a lie, so I am going to go this way, and I am going to hunker down, and I am going to work the ministry that God has for me here. So I appreciate you taking that time to come and tell me that. Because that's what pastor says. If, if the, uh, Satan tells you one thing, then you go the other way. But go ahead and say, say thank you, because he did take time out of his busy day to try and steer you off course in the name of Jesus. He also wants you to fail. He wants you to fail. doesn't matter in what. The devil wants to destroy us. He wants to steal, steal kill, and destroy. That's his job. He's like a roaring lion, but he's not the lion of Judah. He wants us to settle for what the world has given us and accept our losses, our lots in that. I want you to think about this. The person in captivity who's in his shackles and his chains and in his, in his uh, cages that he's built for himself, him and her built for themselves, this is their place of safety. And, and so to escape it, you have to accept one great and mighty principle here that it doesn't matter what you did over here, but that what Jesus did in Calvary, what He did on the cross, and then we find out something more. He went to hell for us. The Word says He went into the grave. Um, we'll get to that in just a minute. In there. So He went and did all these things for us, and then we have escaped the enemy. But we sit in this cage and we start feeling like, hey, this is safety to me. I, I feel comfortable here. I, the world is out there offering you whatever you want. Whatever you want. You want drugs? You want anything else? It's out there for you. But in God, and I say this to as many people as I possibly can, the best life ever is in Christ. There's no better life It's just everybody else has tried to convince you of something else. You know, we live in a day and age where where Dr. Seuss and the Muppets and a few other things are supposed to be bad and evil, but what we see on TV is poison to the eyes and to the mind. What was right is wrong and what is wrong is right. No, the Word of God has never changed. And there is a place of safety and peace inside of here. And I want you to understand that that when you accept that, there's something else that comes with this. I want you to think about this. Have we ever stepped into the power and might of Jesus Christ in our lives here? Now, I know there are some people in this room and online who have have prayed and seen miracles happen before them. We've seen things happen before them. I was amazed to watch a nutria bow before me when I mentioned the name Jesus. I don't know, it may have been a coincidence, but I don't think so. Because I've never seen those things stay right there as close as they were to me. I knew it was God. Romans 8.18, all creation is waiting for you to accept Jesus Christ. All of creation is waiting for you to accept Jesus Christ. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, this is 18 through 21, I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for, get this, for the revealing... Of the sons of God. You're standing at this starting line. And, and, and Jesus is holding those robes for you. You put on the garment of salvation. And He has the robe of righteousness. And you start thinking, my, my shames, my sins, my all of these things. But Jesus says, that's what I took for you on the cross. Roy, that's what I took for you on the cross. Joy, that's what I took for you on the cross. Bill, even you, that's what he took for you on the cross. We like to pick on Bill, but Bill's an awesome man of God. He took all of that on the cross for you. And here's creation waiting... I want you to think about this. 
There have been a couple of times in my life, one of the start of one of these messages was I spoke to the storm, and I'll do that one at another time. But there was a time I was out on one of my walks, and I was out on my walk, and, and as I started, it was fine. But by the time I started around the lap, the rain started. By the second lap, it was pouring pretty hard, but I'm a stubborn guy. I am from Vermont, for all the Vermonters watching online. Um, and as I rounded the corner, I finally said, Enough! In the name of Jesus, you've got to stop. Within ten minutes, the rain was gone, the sun was back out. Same thing happened to me the second day, and I did the same thing, and that storm stopped. Am I great? No. Because Jesus is great, I spoke to the storm in the name of Jesus. And creation has been waiting for the sons of God to be manifest. The power of the living God to heal, to deliver, to preach, to minister, is in your hands when you accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. When you accept that not only did He die on the cross for you, but He took everything of your pain and your shame He took everything, your diseases, on the cross. And then our punishment in hell, and when He went to hell, this is the part that I love the next. Ephesians, Jesus was leading, led captivity captive. I put into the arms of God. Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. Yeah, make sure I didn't flip that wrong. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above heavens that he might all things. Now this was also spoken of in Psalm 68. You have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive. Now if we talked about in the beginning the captivity of all mankind of creation happened when Adam fell. When Adam sinned and was removed from the Garden of Eden. And the tree of life was now removed from Adam and he now we all now were plundered into sin and death. We're all the walking dead. But now, Jesus, when He went to the grave, when He was, went to hell, He brought back those who were accounted to righteousness by God for those who believed. And they were the first witnesses. Now, we're the witnesses afterwards and we're given righteousness Because we believe the same thing. Because we believe, we all believed in Jesus Christ. One group to something that was coming afar off. They believed the Word of God. To this other group, to us, we believed because, not that we've seen, we're not Thomas. We believe because the Word came to us in power and authority. We believe because Jesus died on the cross for us and those who are called and hear the voice of God step into that life with Him. Satan's job is to stop you at that starting line. Never let you get off the, the, the road. As we're coming to the end of this, the message tonight was the crimson robe of righteousness and boldly to the throne of grace. I remember as a young man building the walls around my heart. I remember all the the pain and the suffering. I, I, I went through some stuff for 26 years. I will not get into that. But because of that, that I went through, I was carrying a lot of damaged goods. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to step over the line. But there was a day and a time 
when I made the decision that, wait a minute, His Word is true. His Word is perfect. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And Jesus who went to the cross was the Word of God. And the the Bible says His robe was washed in blood and that was the blood that was supposed to be. And because of that, I will walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ and believe that He died for my sins and no more will I stay in the captivity that Satan wants me to stay in. But I will walk in power and I will walk in authority of God's Word so that others can come to Christ. I have walked out of my grave clothes and I accept freely the garment of salvation. Remember the wedding said, the the wedding supper, he didn't put on his garments for the wedding supper. Salvation came to you, not by your work. All Jesus says is, I stand at the door and knock. Open up the door so that I can come in and dine with you. That's what he says in his word. He said the Bible said that his robe was dipped in the blood. But then he holds a robe for you. You're called to do great and mighty things in the kingdom. Satan wants you not to even step foot into it. You're called to be perfect in the kingdom. You're called to be obedient to God in the kingdom. Oh, but these things in the world, those things in the world are cow dung as far as I'm concerned. I I count it trash. If I can have five minutes with Jesus, ten minutes, the rest of my life. I've asked God for a long period of time, so I'm going to be around for a while because I know my Father. He gave me a new heart. Now, in Ezekiel, he talks about giving a new heart. I didn't realize he was going to give me one that's working so well, I can't even take medication anymore. Praise God! Praise God. I still take vitamins. Because I don't always eat the things I probably should. you think about the story you think about the story of the prodigal son Larry taught a really good lesson the other day uh, in Sunday school and I recommend anybody to go tune into our Sunday school classes on Sunday they're awesome what we're learning and really getting deep into the word but in the prodigal son at the end, he comes to the father and he confesses who he is and he says, I'm not even worthy, father. But the father goes and gets him a robe. He puts the rings on him and says, you are my son. Each and every one of you in this room today, I challenge you that if you've built any any shackles or chains, if you've built any cages, for you listening online, these cages that we've built around ourselves to protect ourselves, they're not protecting you. The only protection is in a life in Christ. The only salvation is the one that Jesus gave us on the cross and it's waiting for you as a garment to put on and wear each and every day. I'm going to end with with Isaiah 61, and it's 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, 
the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And let me end with one more. Sneaking it in. Hebrews, again, starting at 14, 4 and 14, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but has in all points been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Cross over the line. Run into the arms of God tonight. Put on the garments of praise. Put on the garments of salvation and let Jesus put the robe of righteousness. His blood covers your sin and shame and it's washed away. It's washed away. The blood of Jesus covers me. Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your robes that You've offered to us. I pray that all, Father, in the sound of my voice, accept the robes of righteousness. I pray, Father, that they, they, they put on the garments of salvation. That they leave behind the pain and suffering of the past. And they walk in the fullness of joy and peace in Your love. Your sacrifice, Father, encompassed all time, eternity. And Father, we look forward to spending our life with You in heaven. And Father, we thank You that You give us a glimpse of it here on earth. To glorify You and praise You, Lord, we give You all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you.